Welcome to Edification. Enjoy and be blessed by this word tonight. Stay tuned. Shalom. Welcome to Edification. Enjoy and be blessed by this word tonight. Stay tuned. Shalom. Your name is 
Enjoy and be blessed by this word tonight. Stay tuned. Shalom. situation with every child 
Welcome to Edification. Enjoy and be blessed by this word tonight. Stay tuned. Shalom. sisters here. Good evening. It is such an honor to come your way on such a holiday evening and we thank God for what what he's doing in our lives and what he's about to do. And tonight promises to also be a blessing by the grace of God and I want to welcome everybody who has taken time off their holidays resting to tune in and to listen to God's word and to be encouraged. We are living in a time and an age where the word of God and the popularity and the desire for the word of God has sort of dwindled over time. But I also believe that we are in also a generation where God seeks to do what he wants to do to prove and to show that he's still God and he's on the throne and nothing can take our God out of that throne 
Nobody can vote God in, nobody can vote God out. He's all in all God by himself. He lives in the circumference of himself. This is the God that we have come to understand and to love and to appreciate. And so tonight, you are blessed for being here. It is not a mistake, even if by chance you click on a certain link and it brought you here. I believe so strongly that God wants you to be here to be blessed and to also understand and to learn a few things. And so tonight, we are on to part five of our growth series. It's amazing how quick, quickly the weeks have gone by. Five weeks have gone by where we've been learning about our growth as believers, as Christians. And so tonight, we continue with part five. By the grace of God, we have dealt with a whole lot of, of things over the course of the few weeks that we have been having this series. And I believe that it has been um, a blessing. And we, we want to thank God for the opportunity to be able to reach out to everybody and to be able to also um, give out what God expects of us. And it's amazing how we may be far from each other by distance, but because of technology, we have been brought together. Such a blessing in this time, if you're a believer. In some countries, they don't have the opportunity to have this, but by the grace of God, we have this. And so we want to thank God. And so we'll pray shortly, and then we would zoom straight into part five of Abruzzi, shall we pray? Father, thank you. Thank you that you are with us. Thank you that you started with us and you are still with us. We pray tonight, let your will be done with this word. Let your word which has come not come back to you void, but accomplish that which you sent. Let there be a tangible manifestation. Let eyes be opened by this word. Let people come to a realization of who they are in you. Let people come to a realization of the need to grow. Let people come to the realization of the standard you have set for us, that we should be like your son Jesus. And may we grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. All right. So we're zooming straight into the Word of God. We know that, and before I even continue, let me just say that um, let's get something, let's write something down, let's pen something down if possible. It could be on your tablet, on your phone, on your notepad, but make sure you're getting something down. It will be a blessing. Amen. So we've, we've been dealing with our Anchor scripture, which is 2 Peter chapter 3, and the verse 18, which talks about the fact that, but grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, to Him be glory both now and forever. And over the next couple of hours, by God's grace, we're going to look at the role of spiritual discipline in spiritual growth. The role of spiritual discipline the role that spiritual disciplines play hallelujah and when we finish with that if we have time 
we will look at the role of ministry. But if not, then we will push it the next time we meet. Hallelujah. So we're looking at the role of spiritual discipline. The role of spiritual discipline. Hallelujah. All right. So let me start by saying that the Christian life has been described as a battle to be fought. It has also been described to us as a race to be run. It has also been described to us as a building that is to be constructed, right? Now, in in each of these cases, there are certain disciplines which must be followed through if the goal is to be reached. What am I saying? So if, if we have come to understand that the Christian life is a battle to be fought, there are certain disciplines that will, when followed through, will enable the goal of of fighting the battle and fighting well to be reached, come to pass. It's also been described as a race to be run. And if you're supposed to run the race well, to be able to finish well, there must be certain disciplines that must also be followed through, if it must be done so accordingly. And then also, it has been described as a building to be constructed. And if it's supposed to be constructed well, there are supposed to be some disciplines that that should also work take place so that it would become as it should right and we also we've also come to understand that one cannot be a disciple without learning discipline so you cannot call yourself a disciple without learning discipline discipline is something that should be a part of your life as a believer so that's why there's an important role that spiritual disciplines play in our lives praise god and if i'm going to develop christ-like character in my life there are certain disciplines or certain uh, habits which i have to um, practice as part of my lifestyle praise god and that is why that is why first peter Sorry, 1 Timothy 4, 7. 1 Timothy 4, 7, the Bible says that have nothing to do with godless myths and old wives' tales. Rather, train yourself to be godly. In other words, train yourself to be godly means that discipline yourself into that, into that place of becoming godly. Remember last week we said that God doesn't expect us to become him, but to become like. So that aspect of the being like him is what we call godly. So godliness is what he expects. God expects that we will, we will be like Jesus. We will not be Jesus, no, but we will be like Jesus. And let's understand that discipline was the key to our Lord fulfilling the will of the Father. Discipline was very much key. And have you, have you forgotten that in the Bible, in Hebrews 5, and the verse number 8, the Bible says, the Bible says, um, son, though he was, he learned obedience. From what he suffered, he learned obedience. So discipline was there. He learned to be disciplined. He learned to be obedient. You see, the fact that Jesus was obedient in all things does not mean that maybe he would have been comfortable being obedient, but it was something he learned. Because discipline was key to fulfill the will of the Father. 
Beloved, discipline is key if you want to fulfill your assignment. Discipline is key if you want to get to where God has called you to. Discipline is is, is a yes, not a no. It's important if you have to get to the place that God has designed for you. And what is the goal of it? The goal is that we will become more like Jesus. We become more like Jesus in your speech. You become more like Jesus in your in your acts, in your deeds, in your speech. Wow, that's the goal. And the and the role of the Holy Spirit, He is there like the change agent, who acts with power and purpose, so that we grow in Christ, and become more like Him. So the goal is is for us to become like Jesus, and the part that the Holy Spirit plays. Is that he's the change agent he's the one that changes the things in us that should not be in us with his power so that we will, we will grow into Christ and become more like him and our part that we have to play is that let me say this that we need to be changed yes you and I need to be changed but we cannot change ourselves but our part to play in this is that we can cooperate with the Holy Spirit in changing us by choosing to put ourselves in places and staying in in places where the Holy Spirit can transform us. I want to say it again, that our part to play in this whole growth and, 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 and being like Jesus is that the Holy Spirit is the change agent and there's no two ways about it. But the part we have to play is that we have to cooperate with the Holy Spirit in changing us. How do we do that? By choosing to, to, to put ourselves in places where the Holy Spirit can transform us and staying in those places where He can transform us. Amen. The, the, you see, sometimes you, you have to put yourself in a place. Find a place. Find a place. Submit. Let the Holy Spirit teach you. Let the Holy Spirit take control. It is very, very important. Praise God. Hallelujah. Very, 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 very important. So, the disciplines are the channels for the Holy Spirit's power. And the disciplines, they are the God-given means that we are supposed to use in our pursuit of growing into the heart of God. So, discipline or spiritual discipline is very important. Very, 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 very important. Spiritual discipline, very, very important. You, 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 can't, you can't say that it is not important. It is part of the spiritual growth. You need spiritual discipline. And so therefore, the first point that I want you to put down is that to become more like Jesus, we must learn obedience through developing disciple habits. To become like Jesus, we must learn obedience through developing disciple habits. Now, when when you read 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 25 to 27, the Bible says, everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training they do it to get a crown that will not last but we do it to get a crown that will last forever therefore i do not run like someone running aimlessly 
I do not fight like a boxer beating the air. No, I strike a blow to my body and make it my slave so that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified for the, for the prize. Beloved, Paul is saying that in the world, those who were in those times used to compete in games. And those who were competing in games, they go into strict training. But the end of the strict training is so that they can be awarded a prize or a crown. Because in those days, they used to give them crowns. So, so that they'll get a crown. But this crown that they were getting in these games, they were crowns that were not actually lasting. But there's a crown that as a believer, when you go through spiritual discipline, when you learn obedience as you should, there's a crown that you get and this crown lasts forever. That's what he's talking about. So Paul is saying that just as an athlete gives priority to habits, what is the habits that will give that will make him a champion? The habits of daily training, daily going up and down, training in the gym going around the track every time. Paul is saying that just as an athlete gives priority to habits, that will develop him as a champion. A disciple also gives priority to habits that will develop Christ-like character in him or her. Therefore, we can say that a disciple is one who disciplines himself to do the right things. Hallelujah. He is one who disciplines himself to do the right things. Oh, hallelujah. Very, very important. And then also, a disciple is one who disciplines himself to do the right things the right way. Therefore, we must be determined in what we do. We must be determined. And you see, Paul understood the level of commitment that Jesus requires of those who would be a true disciple. Oh, and I remember the scripture in Luke 14, 25 to 27, where it says large crowds were traveling with Jesus and turning to them, he said, he said, who said? Jesus said, if anyone comes to me and does not hate his father and mother, his wife and children, his brothers and sisters, yes, even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. And anyone who does not carry his cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. That's Luke 14, 25 to 27. Now, Jesus here made it clear that the nature of the commitment here required of a disciple is twofold. It's twofold. If anyone comes to me and does not hate his father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, even his own life can't be my disciple. That's the first one. Second one. Anyone who does not carry his cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. Second fold. So, the commitment required here of a disciple is twofold. It's two. Twofold. Now, the first one being that our delight or our ultimate delight or our supreme delight must be our relationship with Jesus. So, Jesus saying here, that if anyone comes to me and does not hate his father and mother, his wife and children, brothers and sisters, and even his own life, he's not trying to say that literally there should be hatred. No. What he's trying to say is that 
the person must prioritize his relationship with Jesus above every other relationship. Praise God. So, so Paul saying that, or Paul said that since he was spiritually alive, he was not going to allow the flesh to determine the course of his life. Sometimes your wife can can allow you uh, allow you to determine the course. So sometimes your wife can be the flesh, your husband can be the flesh, your child can be the flesh, your father can be the flesh, your mother can be the flesh, your brother can be the flesh, your sister can be the flesh. And he was going to make sure that also his body was the servant. This one is the actual body. That his body was the servant and the inner man was the master. And that the, the 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 desires of him of his of his body nature or human nature were not going to rule over himself. So it is very important that we understand that the nature of the commitment here in Luke 14 that is required of the disciple is twofold: that our ultimate delight, that's the first one, must be our relationship with Jesus, and the second one is that. Our ultimate desire must be to become more like Jesus or to become like Jesus. Oh, no wonder that Paul said in Philippians 4 verse 13, I press on towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Now, Paul was committed to win the prize. Which prize? The prize of becoming just like Jesus. Therefore, therefore, with this twofold that we have spoken about, let me say that there is a temptation to take on these disciplines with, with, with a legalistic approach. So you begin to think that it's an act of a working that you must do. And it is something that you can accomplish. Hmm. Beloved, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is him, God, who worketh in us. Hallelujah. So even though we are told to work out our salvation, the working out is done by the one in us, the Holy Spirit. Have that in mind. Praise God. So we're going to look at three basic types of spiritual discipline. Three basic types. And the first type is the inward discipline. Of course, that seeks to cultivate the inner spiritual life. And the second one is the outward discipline. Hallelujah. And the third one is the corporate discipline, where we join other Christians in ministry for spiritual growth. Hallelujah. So we're going to take the inward discipline. The inward discipline, which cultivates the inner spiritual life. Inward discipline. And the first thing that I want to talk about in the inward discipline is meditation. 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 Brothers and sisters listening, let me say that meditation is one of the ways that you can open the door to God. Meditation. 
one of the ways that you can open the door to God, to have that intimate relationship with Him. It's one of the ways that you can open the door to know Him better. It's one of the ways that you can open the door to God, to let Him take your worries and for Him to bless your life. Beloved, meditation allows the Holy Spirit to renew the mind and to provide a deep illumination of truth. Meditation, a very important inward spiritual discipline. Very, very important discipline. Meditation is simply pondering over scripture, scripture verses or scripture passages in such a way that the written word becomes a living word applied in your heart by the Holy Spirit. So it's just like you are pondering over the scripture or the passage in a way that suddenly that which is written in the, in the, in the, in the book you are holding, which is the written word of God, becomes living and it's applied in your heart by the Holy Spirit. And the two primary words for meditation in the Bible means to matter or to speak to oneself. To matter and to speak to oneself. That's the primary word that is used for meditation. Or that's what it means, the primary words that make meditation. is to matter. When I say matter, I mean M-U-T-T-E-R. Matter simply means you are... You are, you, are, you are mincing words at the, at the tip of your mouth, but it's not coming out. Matter. And also to, means to speak to oneself. So just like speaking to yourself. You are speaking to yourself. That's mattering. Now, the person who is meditating seeks to understand how to relate the Bible truth to life. So, meditation is listening deeply to the scripture with the ear of your heart so it's like you are in god's presence but you are listening with the ear of your heart and you are thinking and speaking to yourself about the scriptures that you have read you are just you are just speaking about it in your heart you are talking you're just repeating the scriptures and you are thinking about the scriptures oh that's meditation and once a word or a passage in the bible speaks to you in a personal way take it and ponder it in your heart and soak yourself in the passage and normally i'm showing you things i do when i'm meditating i ask questions like this what is happening here why this scripture what are the feelings i'm getting when i read the scripture why, why is God focusing me on this verse or this passage? What does God want me to understand? Why do I need this word from God? These are questions I ask. And how do I respond? Sometimes I ask myself, if there's an example for me to follow, or a command to obey, or a promise to claim, is there something like that? I look at it through meditation. Through meditation. Beloved, to meditate does not mean to think about nothing or to let the mind go blank. No. 
because the biblical meaning of meditation is deep thinking deep thinking on the truths and spiritual realities revealed in scripture so that you can apply it in your life because once it's revealed you have understanding once you have understanding you know how to pray accordingly and you know how to apply it in your christian life meditation is very important one of the greatest things you can have as a believer is an inward spiritual discipline that is why joshua 1 8 i know we know it do not let this book of the lord depart from your mouth meditate in other words do a deep thinking about it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it then you'll be prosperous and successful hallelujah so that you'll be what you'll be what you'll be prosperous and successful and that's why someone verse 1 to 3 blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take or sit in the company of mockers but whose delight is in the law of the law and who meditates on his law day and night that person who meditates on the law day and night is like a tree planted by the streams of water which yield fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither beloved have you seen a tree planted by the streams of water whose leaves have withered before and who have not yield fruits in season I haven't seen a tree like that. The Bible likens a person who meditates on the word of God day and night, likens the person like a tree that is planted by the streams of water. Wow! When you are planted by the streams of water, you will yield fruits in season because you have a constant supply of the Spirit. Hallelujah. Praise God. I believe you have been blessed. It is very important. Meditation. Many of us, we don't, we don't meditate, but it's very, very what? Important. And that is why also Psalm 119, verse 98 and 99, he says, Your commands are always with me and make me wiser than my enemies. I have more insights than all my teachers, for I meditate on your statutes. I have more wisdom, more insights than all my teachers, for I I what I meditate on your statutes. Very important. Listen, the Holy Spirit does not reward superficial relationship. The Lord does not bless mediocrity. The Lord does not bless ignorance. The Lord does not bless busyness. The Lord does not bless carelessness. The Lord blesses those who meditate on Him day and night, who are who are longing to connect with Him. The Lord's attention are on people like that. He does not reward superficial relationship. And we learn to meditate by meditating. Simple. If you ask me, how do I meditate? Meditate. When you take a scripture and the scripture is speaking to you, begin to matter it. Begin to think about the scripture. Begin to think about it. Ask those questions I, I posted earlier. I, I talked about earlier. Keep listening in the presence of God. Keep listening with the ears of your of your heart. And the Lord will speak to you. So you learn to meditate by meditating. Very important. Let's understand it. 
Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Inward discipline, meditation. Now we are zooming into the benefits of meditation. Benefits of meditation. First benefit, it grounds you. It grounds you. How does it ground you? When you have meditation and suddenly the Lord speaks to you about something or whatever you have read about and the Lord makes it clear to you, it grounds you in your faith in Him. It grounds you in your belief in Him. It grounds you in your growth in Him. It gives you a greater perspective. Hallelujah. It gives you a greater perspective. the first point it grounds you and secondly it creates a space for god it creates space for god it creates space for god it creates space for god because what happens in meditation is that we create an emotional and a spiritual space which allows christ to construct like let me say an inner sanctuary in a heart so god always has a space in your heart where he has created an inner sanctuary so anytime you start meditating he comes there because there's a space you have created a space for god just by meditating inner discipline that is why revelation 3 and the verse 20 and 21 he says listen you see the bible uses words that are not just put there Listen, exclamation point. Listen. Listen means that all things that are taking your attention, remove it and pause and look here carefully. This is a very important part of scripture. When he says, listen, then he says, the first thing he says after listen is, I am standing at the door. God wants peace. Meditation is one of the ways after being born again that you can give God space. He says, I am standing at the door knocking. Now, he's not just standing at the door, but he's doing something also, apart from standing, he's knocking. Beloved, the Bible, is, it says, I am standing at the door knocking. If you hear my voice and open the door. Now, the Lord is knocking with his what? His voice, not his hand. The Lord does not knock with his hand. The Lord knocks with his voice. Oh, Hallelujah. So, if you hear my voice and open the door, I will come in to you. Which door? The door of your heart. I will come in to you and eat with you. Space. Space. You come and occupy that space. And you with me. Then he says, to the one who conquers, I will give a place with me on my throne. What is conquering about? Those who, who fulfill assignment those who conquer this world those who go through this world and are triumphant i will give a place with me on my throne just as i myself conquered and sat down with my father on his throne beloved meditation creates peace for god it creates peace hallelujah it creates peace and the third point is that meditation changes you Meditation changes you. It changes you. It changes you. It changes you. Listen, the way the way we we the way that we think is transformed into how God thinks just by meditation. And the fruit of the spirit 
will begin to replace our corrupt, sinful way of thinking. So, if you meet with God, you'll be changed. And if you give God the time, He will make it worth your while. Hallelujah. If you meet God, there's nobody who has met God and hasn't been changed by God. Give God your time and He will also make it well worth your time. Beloved. Because we cannot burn the eternal flame of the inner sanctuary and remain the same. Mm-mm. It's not possible. It is not possible. And be the same. It's not possible. May God help us. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Wow. Three points there. Amen. Now we move on into simple steps for meditation. And again, these are pointers that I believe will help you. I believe will help you by the grace of God. Simple steps. Simple steps. Now, whenever you take the scripture, these are simple steps for meditation. So whenever I take out the scripture, whenever you read a scripture or are led to a scripture, pray for the Holy Spirit to speak to you and to guide you as you read the scripture or a passage of scripture. Now, because without his ministry as teacher of the truth, and also as, as, as a revealer of God's mind, you'll not be able to know or understand God or spiritual things. So you need the Holy Spirit as the teacher of the truth and also as a revealer of God's mind to be able to teach you and to speak to you and to guide you. Hallelujah. And that is why 1 Corinthians 2 verse 6 downwards, he says, we do, however, speak a message of wisdom among the mature, but not the wisdom of this age or of the rulers of this age who are coming to nothing. No, we declare God's wisdom, a mystery that has been hidden and that God destined for our glory before time began. None of the rulers of this age understood it. For if they had, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. However, as it is written, what no eye has seen, what no ear has heard, and what no human mind has conceived, the things God has prepared for those who love him. These are the things God has revealed to us by his Spirit. The Spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. For who knows a person's thoughts except their own spirit within them? In the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. Have you seen that? No one knows the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. Beloved, so you, you, you pray for the Holy Spirit to speak to you and to guide you as you read a passage or a, a, or a passage of scripture for that day. And secondly, read through the passage you are meditating on several times. Why do you do that? You do that because as you are doing that, you are listening for the still small voice of God and you are waiting upon the leading of the Spirit. And I forgot to say this. Meditation is not a rush. Meditation is not a rush. Hallelujah. So the first one, you pray for the Holy Spirit before you start to read a a scripture or a passage of scripture. And then as you are reading through the passage or the scripture you are meditating on, make sure you are doing it severally. 
several times read it several times because as you are doing that in your mind in your spirit and in your heart you are listening for the still small voice of god and you are waiting upon the leading of the spirit and the third point is that you ponder on the verse that grabs your attention and or touches you in some way so you immediately are reading the scripture and you chance on a verse or a passage of the scripture that touches you pay attention to it in other words what it means is that picture what is happening in that part of the scripture that has touched you picture what is happening there as though that you are standing behind the lens of a camera looking at the scene as you are reading let's say for example um let's say um, Jesus feeding the 5,000 with two loaves and fish, right? Or um, as, you are, as, you are, as you are pondering over it and it, attack, it grabs your attention, begin to picture something like the little boy who gave his land to Jesus. Begin to picture the scene. Begin to picture and hear the conversation that Jesus was having with the disciples. Just imagine you are there and it's happening. That's what meditation does sometimes can take you to the thing to the place it can project you there as though you were there and God may speak to you and show you something that you have never seen and it, it can shock you it can open your eyes to see truth and depth and as you are doing that what you have to do is that Put yourself in the picture. Put yourself in Jesus' shoes. Put yourself in maybe if it is something related to the disciples. Put your shoes in, in the. Put your shoes in them. Ask questions like, "What is Jesus thinking? Why was Jesus acting this way?" Let your imagination and your senses be instrumental for revelation from the Holy Spirit. While you are meditating, let your imagination and your senses be the instruments, because it is through your imagination. And your senses that there will be revelation from the Holy Spirit. And then also understand that God can speak to you through the imagination and the senses. You have, and therefore you have to be open to the ways God may want to speak to you. He may want to speak to you as you are doing the imagination, he may want to speak to you through a personal encounter. As you are asking questions, he may want to speak to you. Then when God speaks to you, because when you meditate, God will speak to you. When you meditate, God will speak to you, beloved. And when God speaks to you, write down what you heard from God or what you learned through your meditation on his word. Make sure you write it down. Hallelujah. Then the last thing that people don't do when they meditate, people don't do it. Take time to share what God has told you with somebody who is wise. <laughs> A wise friend, not just anybody. Maybe through your meditation, God told you, start something. But the friend you are going to talk to, the person doesn't believe in some of these things. And the person can tell you, oh, forget it, whether meditation. And then God may have given you your assignment credentials you may have outlined it for you but somebody you, know, you may have shared with somebody and the person may have put it up 
off. And so because of that, you've also put it off. Beloved, take time to share what God has told you with a wise friend, with an accountability partner. Why? Because it provides protection by checking what comes from your time of meditation. Because when you do that, it helps to reinforce God's word to you. So maybe God, God inspired you to do something. That wise friend or that accountability partner can be a check on what God has told you. That accountability partner or wise friend can encourage you, can bless you. Hallelujah. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Beloved, have wise friends. This isn't part of spiritual discipline, but it just came. Have wise friends. Have friends who are wise. Have friends who think the way you are thinking when it comes to your spiritual growth. Have friends who are wise. Very, very important. Many have just chosen people as friends and anybody at all and has caused them. Beloved, choose wisely. Hallelujah. And still, on the application or the simple steps for meditation. In the second part of the simple steps, first, let me say, please write it down as well. Decide to read the Bible on a daily basis. Now, note, I didn't say decide to study. I said decide to read the Bible on a daily basis. Daily basis. Anya, every day, please read a chapter. Just one. Okay. As busy as you may be, as busy as your work may be, your job may be, start by reading a chapter. And then you can pause to meditate on a verse or two in that chapter that the Holy Spirit will bring to your attention. Very, very important. If you don't know what to read, you can also use Bible plans. Maybe the one year study Bible plan. There are many of them out there. You can get one and follow through. Read a chapter a day. One chapter a day. And then also, the second point, you have to combine Bible reading and the meditation with prayer time. So if you if you if you've told yourself that in a day you're going to give 30 minutes to all that. Well, maybe your schedule is very busy, so you're going to give 30 minutes. Then you can do the reading for about 15 minutes, meditation for about 5 minutes, prayer for about 10 minutes. That'll give you the 30 minutes. Combine the reading and meditation with prayer. Because meditation and prayer are crucial. They are crucial means of knowing God and the Holy Spirit's power. Because prayer deepens your relationship, your intimacy with God. So it's very important that you combine these. Then the third one, which people don't also like to do, is that make a commitment to um, to memorize at least one verse a month of scripture. Memorize a verse a month. Some of you are old, so one verse a month is small. It can be one verse a week. I'm sure somebody just laughed wherever you are. I'm sure somebody just laughed and said, hey, this man, what is he saying? One verse a week. 
If it's too much for you, one verse a month. Memorize one verse a month. Meaning that by the end of the year, you will have 12 verses that you can, you can, you know, puff, cough out of your spirit at any time. So make a commitment that you memorize at least one verse or one text of scripture a month. Then the next point is that this, this is all what we call inward spiritual discipline. Inward. Don't forget it. The next point is that set aside one hour or two hours a week for personal Bible study. Personal. You can use Bible dictionaries. That's when you can use a study Bible. That's when you can use a, a commentary. That's when you can use a Bible handbook. But make sure that every week set aside one hour, two hours. I'm saying this because most of us are working. So, you can't say you are setting one hour or two hours. Some of you are married. Busy schedules. Busy, busy schedules. So, please, set aside one hour a week or maximum two hours a week. If you can go beyond that a week on a weekly basis, that's fine. But make sure that once a week, you are studying the Bible. You are actually studying it. You are studying it. Please, make time. Save some money. Buy a study Bible. Buy a commentary. Buy a Bible dictionary. Buy these things. Because it helps you to really understand. They are aids. They are study aids. They help you. They really, really help you. They will bless you. They help you. Amen. Praise God. The next point is that join a Bible study small group. This is the point that people don't, don't do. It's very important. Join a Bible study group and share God's word where you also study and then you can also share God's word with others. Join a study group, a Bible study group. You can create of late there are a lot of groups. You have Telegram, you have WhatsApp. You can create a group. There's Zoom. You can create a group with about five people. It shouldn't be a lot of people. But but there should be what? There should be actually a group. There should be a group that you join. Or you can even create the group. Join the group. You can make a Zoom call. Once a week you are meeting. And the topic is so so and so. You discuss, you share, the other person shares, other people share, you are encouraged, you are learning a lot, you are growing. Hallelujah. Think about it. Very important. And the sixth point is that attend adult Sunday school or Sunday church service in your church so that you are always regularly hearing God's way. You see, it's important to always hear because if you are doing a Bible study and it's once a week, that does not equate to church because you also need the body of believers. So you have to attend church so that you are so that you are regularly hearing God's word. We go to church to hear God's word. <laughs> Amen. And the last one. Most of you may not agree with me on the, on the last one. Most of you may not want to even agree with me on the last point. But I'm going to say it anyway. Sometimes, you may also want to take a theology course or a Bible course at maybe a nearby accredited, correct Bible college or a Bible school or a seminary just to help you to 
deepen your studying of God's word. By this, I don't mean that when you enter the Bible school, it means you are going to be a pastor. No. But it helps you to understand deeply. You do a deeper study into God's word. And these things will help you. Beloved, these things will help you. They will help you. Hallelujah. Wherever you are just speaking the spirit for one minute and then we'll move straight into the next aspect of the spiritual disciplines. God bless you. Jesus. And so we move on. Still on the spiritual discipline, the role of spiritual discipline in our spiritual growth. So we have looked at the inward spiritual discipline. Very, very important. And I believe you have been blessed by it. And so we are zooming straight into the outward spiritual discipline. Remember I said the inward, the outward, and the corporate. So we are moving straight into the outward spiritual discipline in this sense we are looking at simplicity simplicity tell somebody simplicity simplicity and if you are just joining you're welcome you're welcome god bless you for taking the time to listen all right so we are moving into simplicity and so if you have your bible please turn with me to matthew the chapter 6 and the verse 19 matthew the chapter 6 and the verse 19 to the verse 33 i read do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal verse 21 for where your treasure is there your heart will be also let me pause here i'll continue let me pause now it says do not store up for yourselves treasures on the earth do not store up for yourselves treasures on the earth now what is a treasure and why would the bible be say such a thing that do not store up for yourself now a treasure is simply 
a quantity of precious metals or precious gems or other valuable objects. So the Bible here is saying that don't store up for yourself any quantity of precious jewel or metal or gem because these things, in other words, these things do not last. They can be destroyed. But rather, store up a quantity of precious metals, heavenly precious metals, where no moth or vermin can destroy or where no thieves can break in and steal. Beloved, if you go to Switzerland, they, 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 there's a particular bank in the, Swiss, in the Switzerland, they're called the Swiss bank, where we have um, a safety de deposit boxes and people have stored their their jewels, their, their, their gems, their precious stones and other valuables. It's good. But don't put your heart into these treasures. Hallelujah. Because let your heart be in a treasure that will last. Very, very important. Treasures in heaven. That is what matters. Verse 22, it says, The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. This is a deep statement. That is to tell you that what you allow your eye to see will affect the whole body. So you realize that somebody comes to church, a lady walks into church with a very nice bag, let's say a Chanel bag of about a hundred pounds or 150 pounds. Then you sit there, you a wife, and suddenly all you are thinking about is that bag. And the whole week, the whole month, you are in argument with your husband because you want the Chanel bag that you've seen somebody wear. And come to think of it, maybe that even that lady who brought the, the bag to church just only put a, a Bible inside and her phone, that's all. Or even not even Bible, just phone and makeup. Because your heart is into that, you forget about yourself and you are just moving and fighting with your husband. I want this bag. I want this bag. Go buy this bag for me. Oh. Do this for me. Oh. Lord have mercy on us. But he says, if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? And he goes on to say, no one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Remember, the only thing that is equated here, it doesn't mean that money is the same as God, no. But what he's trying to say is that the two masters fight in this dispensation is God and money. Either you serve God or you serve money. Let's move on. Then it says, therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. It's not life more than food and the body more than clothes. Mm. Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in bands, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you by worrying add a single hour to your life? Verse 28, And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow. They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you, 
that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. Verse 30. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is not, which will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? So do not worry, saying, What shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. What things do you need? What you eat, you need it. What you wear, you need it. What you drink, you need it. He knows you need it. Then it goes to verse 33. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And all these things. Which things? Some of you say, oh, that thing. No, it's not all that things. It's all these things. Which things? What you eat, what you wear, what you drink. You'll be taken care of. Verse 34 says, Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow. For tomorrow worry about itself. Each day has its enough trouble of its own. Praise God for his word. Hallelujah. Wow. Simplicity. An outward spiritual discipline. Simplicity. Therefore, what is simplicity? What is simplicity? Simplicity. Hmm. Now, before I even say what it is, let me say that the discipline of simplicity as an outward spiritual discipline, it differs from the discipline of meditation and prayer in that those disciplines are much like physical exercise, whereas the discipline of simplicity is more like a lifestyle change. So, the meditation and prayer, they are likened to physical exercise, as we've already seen. But when it comes to the outward spiritual discipline, which is the discipline of simplicity, it's more or less like a lifestyle change. So the discipline of simplicity is the conscious act of not being tied to the things of the world. Full stop. Being one who is or having the discipline of simplicity is somebody who has the consciousness of not being tied to the things of the world. I didn't say somebody who doesn't have the things of the world and is content with it. No. Somebody who is not being tied. Beloved, let me say this before many of you get me wrong. It's good to have money. It's good to be blessed. It's good to build the mansions. In fact, build them when the opportunity comes. Buy the houses. Buy the lands. Buy the cars. Buy whatever you got to buy. But beloved, do not be tied to those things. And that is the discipline of simplicity. Simplicity does not mean that you are swearing to do away with purchasing things or your possessions. No. It does not mean that you hate money. It does not mean that you hate people who have an abundance of money. No. Beloved, simplicity is not the desire to be poor and remain that way. That's from the devil. We are kings and priests. Hallelujah. So it is not these things. I'm very, I'm very particular so that nobody will undertake it in a certain way. And because I said lifestyle change, so when you are uh, somebody who is having the discipline of simplicity, means that you there you don't like uh, possessions. You don't like buying things. You don't like. Um, money you hate money and anybody who is rich you hate the person because the person is not living a simple life 
you the no 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 no. If you are poor, it is that's how God has made you. You are simple. You are, you are disciplined. No, it's a lie. No, it's a lie. Lies upon lies. Some people believe that that is what is is, is the actual Christianity. It's a lie. It's a lie. It's a lie. Hallelujah. It's just the conscious act of not being tied to the things of this world. That's all. So if you have, if you have, if if if, if, if you see somebody is simple, it means that a person. It does not mean that you are you are you are swearing to do away with the things or your possessions or your or, or your purchasing and all that. No. It does not mean that you hate money. No. It does not mean that you want to be poor and remain that way. No. Hallelujah. So, how does it mean that? Or what does it mean to live simple? Now, living simply means that you are adopting a lifestyle that avoids unnecessary accumulation of material things. That's all. Note it. Living simply. Living simple or simply is saying that you are adopting a certain lifestyle. What's that lifestyle? It's a lifestyle that avoids unnecessary accumulation. It didn't say it's a lifestyle that stops you from getting material things. No. But an unnecessary accumulation. Some of you, anything you want to buy, you are walking in town, you buy something. You see this, you are buying. On Some of you, you have about 10 shoes. You, have, you go to town, you see a shoe, you buy. I mean, it's sometimes it's unnecessary. And why should you live simply and have the discipline of simplicity? Because it helps us to seek outward detachment from the things of the world so that we can focus our lives on the leading of God's Spirit. Very, very important. It means that you are clearing your life. It's very important. And please, simplicity does not mean that you are getting rid of all your possessions. But rather, you are integrating them into your life's purpose. Very, very important. So please, the central point of simplicity is to seek the kingdom of God and the righteousness of God first. And then everything necessary will come in its proper order. Everything necessary. What am I saying? Everything that you receive hinges on us maintaining God first. Therefore, nothing must come before the kingdom of God. Your material things must not come before the things of God. Don't attach yourself to your material things and put God second. God must come first. Your commitment must be to God, not to your material possessions. You may have them, you may have a lot of them in the future, it is good, God will bless you, you have them, but please, make sure God, God, God comes first. So a life of simplicity is to not have anxiety about material things. Ah. Some of us, some of us, we are we are anxious about material things. We are anxious, anxious. Oh my goodness. We are 
We are so anxious about material things. Hmm. <laughs> My goodness. God help us. Somebody, God help us. 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 Some of us want to have everything. 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 You want to have every single thing. No. No. Some of you, anxiety simply means that sometimes you have a strong desire to do something. Or you, 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 are, you have a feeling of worry, on, on, on ease, uneasiness about something. And it's, oh my goodness. What are material things? We came to meet it, we live without it. Somebody who, who has a life of simplicity is somebody who uses the wealth they have for God first, before any other thing. Seek ye first. Please, God first. God first. So anybody who has a life of simplicity as a spiritual discipline, whatever wealth you have is God first. Give to the cause of the kingdom first before any other thing. Now, I don't mean that you say that because I said this, you not pay your child's school fees. No, you're not being responsible. But you understand when I say that give to God first over those unnecessary material things that you buy. Rather give to God first. And somebody who has a life of simplicity keeps the potential sinful drive of wanting things in their proper perspective. So the, the people, people who just who just see everything and they buy unnecessarily. When you have a life of simplicity, it puts how you want things in perspective. You don't just buy things, it guides you. You are guided. You are guided. Somebody who lives a life of simplicity accepts that everything you have is a gift from God. It's a gift. It's a gift. Most of us, ah, ah. And so, the scripture we read, Jesus tells us not to worry about the outer material things in our life, but then we should seek one thing. We should seek God's kingdom, God's reign, God's rule. That's what we should seek. And he promises us that if we put things first, all other things, all other things will come. All other things will come. And you see, even though those things will come, they will not have a hold on us. That they would have if we are sought them first instead of seeking the kingdom first. When you seek material things first than the kingdom, they have a hold on you greater than when you seek God's kingdom first and you get the material things. Praise God. Simplicity. 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 
Mm. And so therefore, simplicity is not so much about what you own, but rather what owns you. Some of you are owned by fashion. Everything fashion you want to do, you want to buy, you want to have, you want to have, you want to have, and you are checking, you are checking. Some of you, sneakers, some of you, games, some of you, laptops, some of you, phones, some of you, whatever. And you see, there's also the cultural need for simplicity. Because, you see, our world, our world is, is complicated. Though. And one of the basic needs we have in this world is security. And our culture tells us that we should trust in things to provide us with security. And it tells us that if if it tells us that we should we should trust in money and influence for security. It tells us that only the newest and the best will provide the comfort and the security we need. Therefore, in our quest for security, we lose touch. We just lose touch with reality. So how does that happen? We begin to crave for things we neither need nor enjoy. We begin to crave for things like that. And you know what I'm talking about. I don't have to give examples. You begin to crave for things that you neither need nor enjoy. You buy things you do not want because you want to impress people you don't like. Why would you buy something that you don't want to impress somebody you don't like? That's the effect. That's the effect of our culture in this world. Because they are saying that we need security. We buy things we don't want to impress people we don't like. And you see, our culture also tells us that people are important based on how much they produce or how much they earn. Therefore, if if you don't earn at a certain level, you, uh, you're not important. So everybody wants to be important. Everybody wants to be important. And also, it makes people ambitious. It makes people ambitious. It makes people, it makes people covet, covetousness, greed. Listen, you need to realize that you are com- commanded not to be conformed to this world for a reason. Beloved, we are Christians. We are called to be different. We are called to think different. We are called to act different. We are called to live differently from this complicated world of materialism. Therefore, simplicity is a way of life. It's a way of life for the Christian that keeps us different from the world. Very, very important. An outward spiritual discipline. Simplicity. Simplicity. Hallelujah. Listen. And people think that in the Bible, every time we talk about economic issues and our attitudes towards economic issues, the Bible is silent. But it's not true. It's not true. The Bible wants us to have a simple way of life and a simple attitude about money. And the Bible has so many passages that deal with wealth and an attitude about wealth. 
so many so many when you read a scripture like um, um uh, leviticus chapter 25 and the verse 23 the bible tells us the land must not be sold permanently because the land is mine and if you reside in my land as foreigners and strangers it tells you that land is, 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 is god who owns the earth it's for him land ownership is for god god can give you a land god can bless you lands I forgotten in Psalm 62, Psalm 62, and, and, and the verse 10, Psalm 62, and the verse 10, Bible clearly, clearly, clearly tells us. It says, Do not trust in extortion or put vain hope in stolen goods. Though your riches increase, do not set your heart on them. Covetousness. So, Psalm 62, verse 10 warns us about setting our hearts on wealth if you become rich. Some of you, extortion, stolen goods. Some of you, in your workplaces, you extort money. Somebody comes for a job, you extort money. A contract, you extort money. You get some coins for you. Because you want to gather coins to build your house. Forgetting that the land, land, God owns the earth. Oh, God have mercy so many scriptures. When you read Proverbs, uh, Proverbs 11, 28, Bible says, those who trust in their riches will fall, but the righteous will thrive like a green leaf. If you trust in your riches, you will fall. You will fall. Luke, Luke 16, 13, tells us about, about, about the fact that we cannot serve both God and money at the same time. And Matthew 6, verse 21, that we just read, tells us, that we should not store up treasures for ourselves on the earth. We should not. But many are doing it. Many are doing it. First Timothy 6, 9. Bible clearly tells us there. Clearly. Those who want to get rich fall into temptation and a trap. And into many foolish and harmful desires. That plants people into ruin and destruction. So the Old Testament and the New Testament both tell us to be aware of the dangers of money and building up wealth. But you see, so much of our world is geared towards that end. Therefore, what should be our attitude? How are we to be different? One way that we are to be different is that we should have an attitude of simplicity. Have an attitude. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Mm. And by the grace of God, let's let's look at a few things I've put down. Basic guidelines. In practicing everyday simplicity, basic guidelines. I believe it will help us. If you want to write it down, you can write it down. But I believe it will help everybody. Basic guidelines. There are ten basic guidelines. I may not mention the ten. I may just mention five. But they are basic guidelines. First point. Buy things to meet your basic needs. 
not your fancies. Buy things for their usefulness, not their status. Buy things that meet your what? Your basic needs. That's the first one. That one makes sense. I don't have to explain it. Buy things to meet your basic needs, not exceeding your basic needs. Hallelujah. If you know that you in your house you drink milo, of course, buy the milo. I mean, it's food, right? Buy it, but don't exceed. Don't buy, don't buy, you see? For example, let's say a less expensive functional item versus an expensive brand name that you don't need. Look at it, weigh the cost. Buy things for their usefulness, not their status. Amen. Second point, practice giving away things. Practice giving away things. Now, giving away things here simply means giving away things for those in need. Practice it. Some of you have a lot of things. You don't give it away. And it's packed in your wardrobes. Plenty. Practice giving away things. Third point. Turn away from things or from activities that have a hold on you and can provoke or produce a an addiction or a craving. Some of you, you know that if I walk with this person and we go to town, I'll be forced to buy this. Stop going to town with that person. As simple as that. Else, you keep buying and buying and buying and it will turn into an addiction. And every day you set out to town and you don't come back with something, you didn't go to town. Ah. Turn away from things and activities. You claim you're going for window shopping, but you came back with two bags. Window shopping can result in two bags. May God help us. Hallelujah. Our next point, by the grace of God. Focus on enjoying the things available around you that you don't have. You don't have a laptop? Go to the internet cafe. Better still, you have your phone that has internet. You don't have a phone and you have a yam, manage it. A time is coming. You will get it. Hallelujah. Next point. Let your thoughts, speech, and actions be simple and straightforward. Let it be straightforward. What do I mean by that? Somebody, somebody invites you to town. You know that this person invites you to town can provoke you to buy things. Let your actions be clear to the person. I'm not, I don't want to go. I can't go. Or you go with the person you're in town. Oh, Toweo, to be nice, so buy it, it will help you. Oh, I don't need it. I'm okay. Let your inner motive match your outward word expressions. Be straightforward. Hallelujah. And the last one I want to talk about. Don't believe the hype. When I say the hype, I mean commercials. Or buy now, pay later. Or store credits. You are going through a shop 
then you see 50% reduction. But you don't need the thing. And because it's 50%, you are buying it. It's unnecessary. No. No, 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 no. It's unnecessary. And I know here, the mothers and the wives and the ladies will not agree. <laughs> but it's truth. A life of simplicity. And the next thing I'm going to talk about is something that you should do on a daily basis. A reflection and an action task that can also help you to develop simplicity in your life. Now, take some time to reflect on your life. Even after tonight, when I leave, take some time to reflect and ask yourself these questions. In what ways am I rich? Do I have enough or do I have too much? What controls me? What do I serve the most? With my possessions, what can I give up? What can I give away? Then you ask the Holy Spirit for freedom that if you are a slave to your possession, that you help you to be free from that slavery and he help you to be obedient as he shows you the way to walk in this new freedom and in in in, in this week be encouraged to, to to explore the area of giving ask yourself where am i now in the area of giving if you don't type ask yourself try exploring typing for a month see what happens to your heart and your spirit Look for ways that you can curb unnecessary spending. Look for ways you can curb it. Ask God how much of your money you should keep in a month. Ask Him. He can tell you everything. The Holy Spirit is there for us. He can tell you. Clean out your closet. Clean out your closet. Give away the clothes that you haven't worn for a whole year. Some of you, you haven't worn certain clothes for a year, for two years, for three years. They are still there. Clean it out. Give it to somebody. Don't do garage sale. Give it to somebody. If you do garage sale, the money you get, give to somebody who needs it. Be a blessing to somebody. Sometimes, to simplify your life, give up your, your TV time, your, your, your computer time, your phone time for a while to rest. Then, when you are with yourself, quiet your heart and mind in order to reorganize your priorities. What I'm saying, free wisdom for us. Please write it down. One day, it will help you. You, you, you come back and say that this thing has helped me. Evaluate why you work so much and your motive for any more. This is what a life of simplicity. Sometimes leave the house, go on a walk, a prayer walk. Walk, walk, walk around your area. Talk to God. Ask God about the real meaning of your life. Take a prayer walk with God. Personal, not anybody. Personal. Take a walk. Somebody call, if you're a lady, you are going on a walk. Somebody calls, hello, what's your name? Can I, I'm busy. What do I do? I'm talking to God. Straight. Listen, let's have a life of simplicity because at the end of the day, the goal is to be like Jesus. 
take time to serve somebody in need. Take time. You can cook one day, go to somebody's house, know that this person is in need, go and give the food to the person. Listen, take time to serve somebody who is in need. Take time. Life of simplicity. A life of simplicity. Mm. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Tonight, I believe the word is too much for I, I think it's too much. Mm. And I'll post it. I'll post it. Because I believe that God, God, God is speaking to us about inner discipline and this outward discipline called simplicity. I believe that the next one, which is a corporate, I will not talk about it tonight. I will talk about it next week. And by the grace of God, we will move. We will not rush into this. No, we will take our time and let God build us up. So that at the end of the year, when you are doing an introspection in your own life, you realize that it is God who has taken you through. Hallelujah. And so wherever, wherever you are in the silence of your heart, talk to God. The inner discipline and the life of simplicity, the outward discipline. Ask God for grace that these will be seen in your life. That you, you would study the word of God that you meditate, that you pray, that you have a life of simplicity. Talk to God for one minute in the name of Jesus. Talk to him. Somebody talk to Jesus. Beloved, some of you, your material desires have overtaken your desire for God. Ask God for grace tonight. <laughs> Beloved, all that the Word of God says, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and its righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. What you shall eat, what you shall drink, what you shall wear. Beloved, ask God for the grace to seek his kingdom. Ask God for the grace to seek him first. Ask God for the grace to chase after him first. Ask God for the grace that he will, he will pursue like an athlete who is going after a crown that will last. Pray that the Lord will give you the grace to pursue for the crown that will last. Somebody pray in the name of Jesus. Ask God to lead you, whoever that you have to be a, a blessing to this week. Ask God to bless you. If you have clothes, you have to give somebody that needs clothes. Ask God to lead you to the person that you should bless with your clothes, with your shoes, with your bags that you've not worn for a year or two. Ask God that, Lord, I want to bless some, I want to cook this week for somebody who is in need. Help me, locate me. Show, some, show me someone that is in need so that I'll be a blessing to the person. So that I'll be a blessing. So that I'll be a blessing. So that I'll be a blessing. Somebody pray. Somebody pray. Somebody pray. Oh, Rada Bashende Libra Hasata. Oh.
Two minutes more, somebody keep praying to God, keep praying to God. Rabado Shendele Brahasata. Iga Dadalaba Sendele Brahada Sokriva and the stairs. Mazadaga Bahashete Kiprahasata has. Some of us, our desire for the material things have outgrown our desire for God. And we are storing up treasures on the earth where thieves can break in and steal. Ask God for grace. Ask God for grace that you not be a slave to your possessions, but rather you be a slave to Christ. Ask God for grace. One minute more in prayer. Oh, Father, we thank you. Lord, we give you praise. We celebrate you. Thank you that you have opened our eyes to see these disciplines, the inward and the outward. We pray that you give us the grace for the fact that you will desire you than any other thing, that we will seek your kingdom first, that anyone oh god any of us who is tied to material things and is is ruled by materialism father break every chain that has made us a slave to material things rather than pursuing you we pray that tonight you take us out of that bondage may we see the eye of faith may we pursue you like those who are thirsty for waters in the name of Jesus. A year by this time, may our lives be ten times better, a thousand times better for your glory. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Hallelujah. Beloved, God bless you tonight for your time and for your presence that you have spent. And I am so excited that you you have taken time of your holiday to to be here i don't take it lightly god bless you so much is is appreciated and next week next week by the grace of god burning lamp next week wednesday we turn one year since we started podcasting when god gave us the command to do so by the grace of god and god has been good to us and there's something we are cooking. When it's ready, we'll let you know. Hallelujah. We'll let you know. Uh, 
the posters will be out we'll let you know and then we'll see what we can do accordingly by the grace of god a lot is coming a lot is coming so keep us in your prayers when you say a prayer please remember us also we also need your prayers as well the lifestyle blog is coming where we'll be talking about things that relate to our christianity our lifestyles as christians things on financials things on uh, if you want to start a business things on if you want something i mean and if you want to start business we're going to offer you some counsel you know a whole lot is going to come through the lifestyle blog so stay tuned to that by the grace of god you'll see it live and color don't also forget that we are on nine platforms by the grace of god we are on anchor we are on mixlr of course we are on breaker we are on google podcast and if you own an iphone we are also on apple podcast and we are on overcast and we are also on pocket casts and we are also on radio public in the usa and we are also on spotify we are also on spotify whenever you you, you, you tag in the burning lamp incorporated on any of these platforms you are going to see it you're going to see it live in color hallelujah 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 and so god bless you mightily note that next week wednesday is our one year celebration since we started podcasting god has been good to us and we can only thank him for what he has done and we know that the future is great and so we will keep you posted as and what happens as well i want to appreciate everybody and to say that god bless you and hopefully we'll see you next week and may god bless you and may god keep you this week may god cause you to grow may god cause everything about you to flourish know that you are on god's mind know that god loves you beyond any other thing know that you are important to him know that he cherishes you know that god keeps you on his mind 24 7 and know that the holy spirit is closer to you than you think he's just a call away when you mention his name he will come to you beloved this week meditate on his word pray read the bible read the scripture read a passage of scripture and i believe that your life will be a blessing see you at the top have a good night shalom god bless you and enjoy the rest of your evening good night bye